This is A Spice of Life, a podcast all about the movies, TV shows, and animes that entertain us throughout the years of our lives. I'm your host, Kim Kimball Saiz Carrillo. And I'm also your host, Elijah Jabroni Rodriguez. And uh, we are recording in Today. the lovely house of the Rodriguez family in San Antonio, Texas. Yay! Our first episode is going to be over the new Elvis movie. Which we just came from seeing at the movie theater right now. So, spoiler alert. You gotta watch it. Let's begin. Okay, so... We're going to be talking about Elvis. Released June 24th of this year. And it's directed by Boz Lerman. Who also directed The Great Gatsby. And Romeo and Juliet. And Moulin Rouge. And it stars Austin Butler and Tom Hanks, which I think you have a little thing for Austin Butler. I do. So actually, when I saw Austin Butler um, appear on The Tonight Show, I mean, I didn't really know who he was before then. I think he had been in Hannah Montana before. And he had also been in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he played Tex. Um, but aside from that, I hadn't really seen him in anything else. So he was doing his promo tour for Elvis and he showed up and he started dancing. And I don't know, that was just super hot. So I was excited to see what he would bring to the movie. Did you throw your panties out there? I did I did not. I did not. I mean, that's so, what everybody was doing. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I did not know who the hell Austin Butler was. I saw this guy and I automatically thought, like, he's not Elvis. I didn't, I didn't think he was going to do well. I almost, you know, that reminds me of the time when, like, Heath Ledger was casted to play the Joker in The Dark Knight, and everybody kind of, yeah, phenomenal, an Oscar-worthy winning a performance, uh, but when he got casted, I just kind of felt that he wasn't right for the part, because he had played all these rom-com comedies, and, you know, those types of films, and, but really seeing him show through in this movie, it, you know, he really brought that character to life. So I think Austin Butler did that for us in Elvis. Oh, for sure. I, I, I thought he did really great. He got the accent down of Elvis. Perfect. Perfect. His voice, and the accent. I remember you telling me that he actually sang all the songs. Yes. Like in the movie. So a fun fact is that he actually sang all the songs. He actually played all the instruments as well. Um, so just really fascinating. And I think that the movie might actually get nominated for an Oscar, if not win. I mean, it also has uh, Oscar nominated, and I think he won, uh, Mr. Tom Hanks. Yes. Uh, so for those of you, you know, uncultured swines out there that don't know who Tom Hanks is, he was Forrest Forrest Gump. He was also, you know, the famous Toy Woody. And uh, he also was in Castaway, you know, Wilson, Wilson. So Wilson. many popular films. And so I thought it was a pretty cool take that um, – that he like was in this role because he's a villain in this role. He, yeah, and it's a very different type of villain. Yeah. Like it's not your typical like evil mastermind type of villain, but mm -hmm. he's like this greedy motherfucker that's trying to take advantage. I mean, like I I, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I, I, as soon as I saw that he was in debt, and obviously if you've seen the movie, you know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, Gambling. It's a terrible addiction. Yes, I love it though. Um, but wait, you love gambling? Do you love gambling? I. Are you calling me out right now? <laughs> While we're on the air? <laughs> Mother. <laughs> if you couldn't hear, my mom and dad are in the building. Hi. Hola. <laughs> and so um, what I want to get into 
the song choices yes. for Baz Luhrmann's yes. films. Uh, he, I, I like the fact that he tries to modernize it. Like, yeah. So I did like that instead of it kind of feeling like outdated um, and using like maybe the original songs. He did like his own versions with Austin Butler. Doja Cat was in there. I love Doja Cat. Love Doja Cat. She's amazing. Her music yes. is awesome. And so to hear her in this movie, it was it was really cool to see some an artist like Doja Cat to be performing on this. Yeah, and. Like you said, Doja Cat, love her. But there's also a song with Eminem and CeeLo, CeeLo Green. What song did that play? Like, what scene was that in? So when I was looking it up, it was when he was going into the club. <gasps> yes. When he was, like, leaving his family. That. All emotional. Loved it. Everything. That was so cool. I also loved that his friendship with B.B. King. Oh, that one was, was cool. I that loved how neat. he adapted, like, all of his music from... Like his hometown. Yes. And that uh, he he always like put them first, like as a priority, and always like told them like, hey, I'm gonna use this in my new song. Like he, I remember he was telling BB King he was gonna use uh, "There Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog." Yeah. And I thought that was cool because I thought he legit just made that out of his mind. So did I. I didn't realize that that was a song that was you know um, in that environment back then, but it's something that he adapted to. Um, his style of music. And let me just say that growing up in the South, growing up in a very religious household, the whole religious tents and the, you know, out in the fields and that whole thing. Um, I, I personally witnessed that. And so to see that he actually adapted some of his, I want to say his moves came from there, right? Like, yeah, like he got touched by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he was touched by the Holy Spirit. So he's like moving and shaking and dancing everywhere. And that's kind of like, uh, what translated to his own performance. So that was really neat to see. Yeah. I, um, I think one of my favorite scenes and uh, it honestly was a pretty funny scene was when uh, Elvis is like doing his first performance. Like yeah. the, the buildup with the music was really, was really neat. And then you got to see all these girls just screaming for him because yes. he was like basically gyrating all, all on the stage. But let me just say that if that were me and it was Austin Butler up on You'd stage up like on that, that, I would have thrown myself on the stage as well. So I get it. And your panties. And the and the panties. They, they really made it seem like there was a lot of panties thrown at him. There was. There so, were so many panties. It, it, was, it was just funny because it was just like one after another girls were screaming and all that it almost seemed like you know they were loving it a little too much it almost seemed to me like they were making it seem like a like a spiritual moment you know where they couldn't even help themselves right like he says that in a certain scene tom hanks does mm -hmm. um with his character colonel um where you know he could see in the girl's eyes that she was experiencing something that she shouldn't be experiencing. And, mm -hmm. and you just see that pan to her face and her eyes and just her expression where it's almost like she doesn't realize that, um, you know, what's actually happening to her, but she's experiencing Elvis, the king of rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, what, what was your favorite part of the movie? Oh gosh. I had so many. I had, I, this is a, a film that I think I, I truly, truly love, but I love that first scene where he's going up on stage and the buildup to it and the shaking of his leg. I like how there's that emphasis on the shaking of his foot, mm -hmm. the tapping. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of like building up that energy. Um, I like when, you know, he starts touring and he does his performances and like, he's getting the house and, you know, he's building up his family and, um, I think that was really amazing to see that transition. And it also made me realize that 
his jump to stardom happened so fast. Mm -hmm. Like it was almost overwhelmingly fast. This yeah. wasn't something that happened over a period of years. It, it's There's a scene in there where he's doing the Christmas special. And then that same year is also where um, Dr. King got, got shot. shot. But earlier in the film, I mean, he's still in Memphis. So it's kind of crazy just how fast um, yeah. his star rose up. Yeah, I thought it was uh, obviously like, it, it was really quick, but I I, I like the kind of the I, I probably shouldn't like it, but I like the tragicness oh, yeah. of like how his mother passing away, like really changed the way he was looking at the business. Yes, like he he was he was hurt. Yeah, he was, and he felt like it was. I, I feel like he felt like it was his fault. And he did. I think he was very guilty about because he wasn't there. And then also one thing that I noticed, too, from that scene where his mother passed away is that you see this change in him, but you also almost see the change in his um, his like entourage, yeah. where you almost see how they immediately turn to him mm -hmm. and they see that as an opportunity to leech on him. Yeah. And I, I felt that so strongly mm -hmm. in that scene. So, yeah. And like you can you can just tell, like in the beginning, he's like this really happy and like he wants to he does what he loves to do and yes. then basically like once his mom is gone that's like his his network is is just broken like his whole family was broken his dad yes. became a business manager and you you just a terrible business manager uh yeah they they were all leeching off of him and it it, it just it, it was crazy to see that slow like build up to him just like collapsing and like seeing as how like he got hooked on drugs he his wife left him and like he's just like drinking on stage and finding finally finding out yeah. that like Tom Hanks is the villain. Yes. And it's it's just crazy because like, like I think it was almost sick to see that his own team and Tom Hanks character really, um, that he was pumping him full of drugs. Yeah. Like getting him hyped up enough to go up on stage. Just so and his then, debt is paid off. Yes, just like, so his debt is paid off. So this whole thing is centered around um, you know, the colonels need to pay off his debts, his need to fuel his gambling addiction. He doesn't care about Elvis. Um, he cares about his own like livelihood. Yeah. And just seeing him, you know, just pumping him full of drugs constantly. And, mm -hmm. you know, he collapses and, you know, he's like the most important thing is to get him back on stage. Yeah. And then like what one of the first few lines that we hear in the film is some is from Tom Hanks, Colonel Tony Parker, right? Colonel Tom Parker. Tom Parker. Um Ayo, <laughs> Tony. <laughs> um, but one of his first lines is, some may, may think that I'm the villain of this story. And at the beginning, I was like, I don't know. Let me just see how this plays out. Yeah. And then, like, once we, like, see the whole story that, that Boz Lerman showed us, like, it, it's crazy. And I, I literally heard myself say, like, at the end, like, no, no, bro, you're you're the villain. Yeah. Like, and come on. You're the one that drained this this kid. Yes. Of, like, the thing that he loved the most. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't know too much about Elvis. Like, I know it, it was crazy hearing the songs and realizing that I actually have heard quite a bit of Elvis songs. But I didn't know too much about Elvis, the performer himself, right? So to see this film and the only thing that I knew about Elvis was that, you know, how he passed away mm -hmm. and how, like, tragic that whole thing was. But I never knew much about his life before then. So to see just kind of how parasitic the people around him had become. And and also another crazy thing that stood out to me is that somebody so famous and so well-known throughout the world and influential 
that he actually didn't leave the U.S. ever. Yeah. So. I wonder if things would have been different if he, like, did do that international tour. Yeah. Because, like, if he had done it, then obviously the colonel wouldn't be there. And he would realize, like, how, like, life was without the colonel. Yeah. And I think he probably still would have been here. And the team that was trying to push him to do those international tours, they mm-hmm. weren't for the drugs. They weren't nope. for any of that. They weren't. Um, so it would have been interesting to see, you know, from that time period of where he gets put in the in the Vegas residency, two years after that is when he passes. Um, and it's because he was doing, you know, show after show and kind of going mm-hmm. through the same cycle of like drugs, alcohol, the shows. Um, and he didn't get to go overseas and get to tour and do what he really wanted to do. So he could have very well been alive today um, had he taken that option. Yeah, I I, for one, haven't, like, I only know, like, a few songs, obviously the famous ones. Yeah. And I really didn't know how he died. I did hear, like, rumors. It was probably a dumb rumor yeah. that he died on the toilet. Yeah, that's what I had heard, too. Uh, so I, I I just didn't know it was just a, a heart attack. Mm-hmm. But seeing as, like, this is a story told from, I think, Lisa Ann. Yeah. Um, Lisa Marie. I'm yes, sorry. Lisa Marie. Well, Lisa Marie. And um, you you can even see that she was a big part of this. Uh, this I think movie. that was that was really cool too that Baz Luhrmann incorporated the actual family, and um, they fully support and stand behind the film. So that you know they gave their blessing to Austin Butler, so we can be assured that what we saw in this film is actually what they experienced with him. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the costumes and. Oh. I think yes. that's what I was extremely excited about. Yeah, because I, um, me and my mom, we just didn't know, like, how the heck did he just go from wearing suits? Yeah, to just normal you know, outfits, like jumpsuits with leather. Yeah, like you said, looking all sweaty. Yeah, mm-hmm. rhinestones, turquoise. Mm-hmm. I also realized that as he grew older, he also got tanner. <laughs> um, tanner yeah, it looked his... like he he got really tan. <laughs> yeah, he got really extremely tan. tan. And then, like a lot his of hair eyeliner. got bigger. <laughs> that whole tan made me wonder if it was like a result of living in the desert like you know because he was in vegas so yeah he he was... oh yeah but and then they pointed out that he would um he would black out his windows when he was in the hospital he, he put foil on the windows mm-hmm. and, when, and when he was in his hotel suite or room um he had blackout curtains yeah so i'm like how did he get so, so tan? <laughs> spray tan yeah. spray tan yeah that that could be it and he then, went heavy on the spray tan mm-hmm. heavy on the spray tan heavy on the drugs heavy on the booze and yeah you just you just saw it at the end of the movie like he well, got pretty heavy and i i don't know if that like there was like a last like bit of footage that mm-hmm. we saw before like it went to like the actual elvis footage yes and i don't know if that was austin butler like looking a little heavy like playing the piano right before he was like in the white jumpsuit um i think it was i want to say that it was because once once it gets to the older footage i think that's actual elvis footage Mm -hmm. but i think right before then that was all austin butler and i i think right when that was happening you even told me like it's hard to believe that that's Austin. yeah yeah i I was just like this cannot be austin butler yeah i know nothing of him but like just seeing him and like seeing some interviews like that his voice like the way he speaks like it, it just doesn't seem that he that that's him but that's him transforming into the character exactly and like, like that's how good he was uh, it's i in my opinion i think it's oscar worthy i i think so too yeah i think um after seeing this and and hearing the reception that it got at Cannes, 
um, the film festival. Uh, it's pronounced Con. <laughs> Is it Con or Can? Can. It's Can. We are not French. <laughs> we are not French. We don't know. We how are what the French say, les compétents. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Can. Can. Uh, it got a twenty-minute standing ovation. And at first I thought, wow, that's a little bit like too long. You know, that's a little bit ridiculous, but like, like it didn't seem believable. But yeah. Now, now, now I believe it. I mean, our, our theater did clap after. Yes. So. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. I think that we will see this as a Oscar contender. Um, if not possibly a win. Uh, I mean, that was just a crazy transformation. How did you guys feel about who he was influenced by? how his music was uh, influenced. Oh, um, so I, I thought it was, it was definitely like a, an eye-opening thing because uh, obviously a lot of people think that he stole it from from the the South and he had a, leather, a, a lot of Southern influence. And it, it was, I think it was just cool to see how much Boz Lerman like put a lot into that that like relationship between B.B. Uh, King. King and Elvis and like just seeing as how welcoming Elvis was to that community. And what's crazy is that seeing it now, I don't think he stole anything from mm -hmm. blues or any of that style of, of that genre of music. I think he was paying respects to it. He put his own twist on it mm -hmm. and he used a lot of these songs that were very famous, like in the clubs that he would visit yeah. in his neighborhood. Um, he used that and he put his own twist on it, but it was really like he was paying tribute um, to those songs. Yeah. So it was really interesting to see that and how, I mean, that was part of his life growing up. Like yeah. he didn't just stumble upon this at random. Like he grew up in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. This is what was around him and inspired him. And he really took that as his own and, you know, it just so happened that, you know, he was, uh, he was like a white guy and yeah. And yeah. like, you can kind of, you can kind of see like his blending of like music and one of the, it was one of the scenes where like he disobeys Colonel's yeah. like, orders. I love and, all like, those scenes. It, it's, it's the, the stadium scene where they had to divide the crowd between oh, colored yes. and not colored. Yes. And you can just see that as soon as he starts playing it the way he, he wants to, how he just blends his music taste together, that even that that little divider in the crowd, it breaks and like everybody's dancing with each yeah. other. Like nobody cares about no. race at that point. And that, that's just what I think that's a good symbolism that Boz Lerman adds to the. Yeah, theme. that's what his music did. His music transcended like racial lines mm -hmm. and. Um, segregation and you know things like that like it really brought people together and so yeah that is a good scene where you know that lit the literal line between races breaks and he brings people together and they're just dancing and having a good time and then he gets arrested I can't believe he got arrested for hip thrusting yeah I do that too <laughs> I thought I thought it was a riot I saw the cops going in and starting well the, the so from from what I saw like or from what I thought um, I thought it was because, like the, the I, 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 I hate saying the color section. Yeah, like, but the like the, the line of segregation. The line of segregation, line of segregation. When, when it was broken, you kind of saw that like everybody was just dancing together, and but I don't think the police saw it as that. They saw it yeah. as like, oh man, they're rioting. They're oh, they're I they're see. breaking I, it, and okay, so that's when I the that and then like as soon as like Colonel sees that like you know everybody's loving the the old Elvis again, mm -hmm. like they're they're just 
he's like, get him off that stage. And then as soon as the cops come on the stage, they get everybody else for, for basically like writing. But like both sides of the line, they're writing against the cops because yeah. this guy is just trying to play music yeah. that everybody loves. So He that. was just playing music. And I mean, the president was against him. The government was against him. Mm-hmm. They were really trying to hold him back. All because he was just doing a little thrusting. Yeah. So it's so crazy, like the sign of those times, and just like how conservative it was. Like you couldn't even, you couldn't even do that. I mean, when we go to concert these days, like people aren't sitting down; Mm-mm. everyone's up and half naked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's you know it it it's a totally different time. But you know, seeing the concerts then, uh, everybody was very prim and proper, like they were attending a show. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily a concert, and so to see how forward Elvis was, um, it it almost felt like it was like liberating them yeah to to have those feelings that they didn't know whether or not they should feel it was new it was was definitely something new and like you kind of saw like the the old way with uh i forgot his name like the the guy that colonel was uh like in charge of oh goodness um i can't remember but i can totally picture him yeah like i I picture him he was the main he was like the country singer guy that was like very like making me fall asleep like hank snow hank snow and that okay that makes more sense that's why colonel's called snowman yeah so (laughs) hank snow was this like traditional like byproduct of the time like real conservative yeah real conservative music that i mean you saw every scene that he was in you know everybody was just sitting down listening quietly Mm -hmm. like nobody's moving shaking shimming yeah and you know so to have elvis come out during that time it was it was just something so different. Yeah, he was very against it. Very against Dang, it. Dang, I already forgot about him. Well, good job, Baz Luhrmann. I forgot about him. Yeah, he was, like, not important. He was so boring. Yeah. We were so starstruck by Austin Butler. I was. I, I was honestly, like, I'm surprised that, like, uh, Elvis's music is considered rock and roll. Like, yeah. Is that is that rock and roll? Because I was thinking of it more of, like, a like a blues type. Yeah, I like, feel like it's like a it's like a marriage between the two, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like they're they're saying like the king of rock and roll, but yeah. it's like I see like in the end he was having like strings, he had trumpets, he had you know, all these things going on his show. Let me ask you, what do you see as rock and roll? I see Aerosmith. Yeah. That came after Elvis. Oh, what else? Uh, uh. Well, now everything that I'm thinking of, Guns N' Roses. Yeah. You know, what about so, Metallica? Oh, Metallica, Metallica. too. Oh, my goodness. Elvis. This was in the 60s. So if you think about it, the rock and roll era in the 60s, it was a lot. Think of, um, you know, all the people that you, you heard, like Little Richard. Little Richard. Little and, Richard. And we saw Fats Domino. Which I thought yeah. was was pretty cool because my, my grandma listened to Fats Domino. Oh. Like we, we have a few songs from him, so I was like, "What the heck?" So that like, that in that era was considered the rock and roll. Yeah, and that's how those new bands that you mentioned that are now considered rock, not necessarily rock and roll, just rock. Ah, uh, because then once like Aerosmith and all that, that's when like the roll part came in. Mm-hmm. Well, it was already there. They just took the roll out and rock. Is not uh, just pure rock, right? Yeah, and you can like classic rock, I'm making shit up. Like those bands, um, <laughs> you know, Metallica that's 80s rock, so yeah, rock, you know, and that's our dog, Titan. that's our dog, Titan. Yes, he's <laughs> I mean, uh, he's, 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 he's
He loves the king of rock and roll. But there's influences there, right? That, yeah. That's what the that's rock and roll, mm -hmm. and the influence that comes after into these bands. So Elvis really had a huge mark on the music industry itself, and on all these bands that came out after him. Yeah, now, now that now I'm seeing that from Dad's perspective, yeah. so it's it's definitely definitely wow, and like just the I don't know the emotion that you can feel at the end. You're just like, dang, that that sucks. He like, really put his heart and soul into it. You can mm -hmm. see it with all with the way he sang, with the way his performance was, with the way he reacted to the crowd, to his fans. You could see that, you know, his entire soul was in it and he was in love with that. And that's something that Colonel Tom Parker says where no love can compare to the love that he felt to you. And what he means by that is he's talking to the fans and talking to the music and you know, that even surpassed the love that he had for Priscilla Presley and mm -hmm. probably even his daughter, Lisa Marie. So, yeah. And uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of what else. What else there was? Oh, the, um, I don't know. I, I don't think the, just the, I, I don't know how to call it. I was going to call it the Boz Lermanness yeah. of the movie. Like, you got I think to you see, can call like, it that. like, the same with Romeo and Juliet and with Great Gatsby, you see that these transitions and like these very weird camera angles that he just adds to the movies. Like it goes with the songs. Yeah. And it's just like you have him dancing. You have Elvis dancing in like the the church tent. And then he's like dancing one way and he's dancing the same way like on a stage. And so it's just, it's crazy how Baz Luhrmann's view of like, cinema the storytelling yeah. yeah the storytelling just saying how how influential those moments in his life were as a child and how that followed him throughout and as adult mm -hmm. i yeah and like I, I just thought of this right now like i don't know if you felt it or if you felt it dead um in the beginning it felt like a lot yeah at once like we were just thrown into this yes. like world and it's very quick pace it's very fast once we got to the end, like there was like, or the middle, there was kind of a yeah, shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then towards the end, it was very slow. And I I think that's a very good storytelling, like, yes. uh, way of doing things because, like, that's exactly what happened to Elvis. He was very up and at him, like, let's do this. I want to go on tour. I want to sing. I want to do all this. And then all of a sudden, everything's drained out of him. Yes. And it's just. I think, you know, and I think that's a testament to Baz Luhrmann's fan, phenomenal storytelling, mm -hmm. where not even just in the camera angles, but the comparison between the scenes, mm -hmm. but also in the fast-pacedness in the beginning. Yeah. He's overwhelmed, and he's thrown into it, and everything's happening so fast for him, and his yeah. his star rose so high so quick, and, and, and then, like you said, it slowed down, and that was equivalent to the energy being drained out of him by everyone around him. And I think it's crazy, you know, seeing it from an artist that was around during this time period. And you see that kind of happening today, you know, with like free Britney yeah. or Britney Spears, you mm -hmm. know, also another superstar in pop and her family also kind of drained her. And, yeah. you know, we hear these stories about how her dad was also taking payouts from her millions exactly, and her family. And, you know, Michael Jackson also experienced the same, um, there's so many artists that are being leached off of, and it, it just kind of shows how there's no protection um, for these people that really serve as our entertainment mm -hmm. and their passion and their love. And, you know, it just gets 
it gets twisted sometimes by the greedy people around them. Yeah, and and it just sucks because like this also shows that like nobody in the world knew it. No. Until after Elvis died, like yeah. nobody knew what he was going through. All they saw was just a a drunk star. Yeah. Like losing, like losing the war to like drugs and like. Yeah, like a alcohol. washed up star. Yeah. Like you might have heard of like, Elvis. Oh, he's young. Yeah. Like, Back in the day, oh, yeah, like, you know, his music. And then later on, it, it kind of came into, like, oh, he's a washed-up star, like, yeah. has been in Vegas, you know. And my thoughts of Elvis are always to, like, the Elvis impersonators. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, we have one in San Antonio. Hispanic Elvis. Hispanic Elvis. Yes. May he rest in peace. R.I.P. Um, he actually passed away a few months before the movie premiered, and I, we, me and Elijah were talking about it, and we think that he would have loved it. So uh, I think he would have he, he would have loved it. Yeah, but it's like it's to the testament of how influential he was and also that that's kind of our viewpoint of him as this like caricature mm -hmm. wearing this like jumpsuit and the big yeah. hair and the sunglasses. And that's all we knew of Elvis, right? At least that's all I knew. I mean, yeah, I, I only knew Elvis because of, again, the two songs. Yeah. Uh, one of them is uh, the Hound Dog one. Yeah. And I thought it was like. And Just Andre Bocelli's opera cover of Can't Help But Falling in Love. Oh, yes. Yeah. That one, that one I know, too. Yeah. Th those are probably the only two that, that I knew. But let, then realizing, like, we knew more from, yes. from the beginning of the movie. And let me just say that when I first heard Andre Bocelli singing this song, I thought it was absolutely beautiful. And I thought it was an original song of his. Oh, and it Bocelli. turns out, yeah, and it turns out that it was an Elvis song. Yeah. Never would have guessed. Well, there, there was, like, a, I think another remake of that song. Yes. And it was in Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. And so I thought that was the original. And then my dad told me, no, it's Elvis. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, yeah. He's just everywhere. And we didn't realize it. So I think that if you haven't gone to see this movie, you absolutely need to. It's not just a typical. Maybe if you've seen the other Elvis movies that have come out, um, this definitely is not it. Yeah, this is definitely something for like, I don't know. You need to. I feel like you just need to just leave everything at the door and just be open to the movie. It's a different take on an, an Elvis story, and it's a different take on like the camera movements and the movie making. And it's just a, a whole cinematic experience, y'all. Would you consider this a cinematic masterpiece? It is a cinematic masterpiece. Yes, I I give it I give it an amazing score. I just an amazing it was it too. was amazing i would go see it again yes i do too and i'm extremely hopeful that we're gonna see this in the oscar circuit and i don't know well shit we got cut off we got cut <laughs> off we're talking too much we're talking too much they basically said your 30 minutes are up fuck you <laughs> <laughs> so uh what we were saying is uh oscars oscars oscar circuit um it's definitely I think it's definitely on the radar um, because one, we don't really know anything about Austin except that he's, you know, from Hannah Montana. Yeah. He's been in like these small movie roles, but it's like now he has put his foot into like the like Oscar world. Yes. Like now he's a contender for, for anything. Like, I think we're going to see him in definitely a lot more roles. Mm -hmm. Um uh, I just I think that we witnessed the making of a star in yeah, this film because to see him alongside Tom Hanks and to see that that and chemistry. he dominated that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Like honestly, I was like, okay, I can get it with Tom Hanks. Yeah. But I didn't know how Austin Butler was going to do it. Yeah. And look at him now. Like I I, I loved it. 
I loved him as as Elvis. And it was crazy to see that um, the other people that were in, you know, contenders to be a part of this film were Harry Styles. Um, I can't see that. Miles Teller. Oh, Miles Teller. And Ansel Elgort. Uh, yeah, no, Ansel Elgort, nah. The only one that I could see out of that lineup was Miles Teller. Yeah, I can see Miles Teller. Miles yeah. Teller definitely, uh, you know, up there. Top yeah. Gun Maverick. Yeah, know. he's done some really, really great performances um, in his career. Um, so the fact that Austin Butler beat them all, I mean, we can obviously see why. Yeah, we can see that Baz Luhrmann made an incredible choice. Yes. And so even if you're not an Elvis fan, I mean, I didn't consider myself an Elvis fan prior to this. Uh, I feel like this movie definitely changed that. <laughs> yeah, I only knew two songs. And now <laughs> now I just added the whole album to my, my library. Right? Yeah, definitely go see it in theaters. It's a whole experience. So. Well, that's going to conclude our podcast. First episode, our First y'all. ever episode. So tell Let us, us know what you yeah, think. Tell us how we did. Obviously, we're a little nervous and... We're nervous. It's our first time. But if you have suggestions, <laughs> if you have suggestions of films, TV shows, animes, whatever, go ahead and message us. Go ahead and message us. We'd love to go ahead and do a review. Yes, you can find both of us on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is Mr. E1000, and mine is Soy Sauce Kim. And uh, our next episode looks like it's going to be about the one and only movie, Her. Starring Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. So we got a lot to talk about that one and a lot of current events with that as well. Yeah. Lots of current events. So if you guys. uh, Stay tuned. Stay tuned. (laughs) Come back. Watch your second episode. Promise we'll be better. Please listen to us. (laughs) (laughs) Don't change your podcast episode to another one. We are we are good. We promise. We actually have good reviews. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is it for a spice of life. All right. Y'all have a good night. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.